0: praise his name and uh, welcome those of you who are here this morning uh, because of vacation Bible school because your child was a part of it thanks for coming and, and, uh, and bringing them and letting them join us this morning in the in the early songs uh, we're so thankful uh, for you and your family um, being a part of things this morning if you turn in your Bibles now to mark chapter twelve mark chapter twelve as we go through the gospel of Mark, which is the story of Jesus the explanation that mark the the companion of numerous apostles. Uh, he wrote the story to help us understand who Jesus is, who Jesus, the Son of God, is. And here he um, shows us Jesus' response to the, to the religious leaders of Jerusalem after Jesus came into the city. You remember on Palm Sunday, we've talked about that over the last few weeks, and then every day he comes back into the city and is confronted by the leaders of the, of the Jewish people, the, the, the religious leaders, and they're trying, trying to find ways to trap him in his words so that they not only can silence him in his ministry, but so they can have him killed. That's their goal. And so after last week we saw where they asked him a question, he returned their question with a question which they couldn't answer, and so he didn't have to answer their question. It wasn't that he didn't know the answer, but he was, again, announcing to them with, with that idea, with the, way that he, with the way that he dealt with them, that they were about ready to face judgment. And then he tells them this story from Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, verse 1. He then began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it. Dug a pit for the wine press and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and went away on a journey. At harvest time, he sent a servant to to the tenants to collect from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. But they seized him, beat him, and sent him away empty-handed. Then he sent another servant to them. They struck this man on the head and treated him shamefully. He sent still another, and that one they killed. He sent many others. Some of them they beat, others they killed. He had one left to send, a son, whom he loved. He sent him last of all, saying, They will respect my son. But the tenants said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. What then? Will the owner of the vineyard do. He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. Haven't you read the scripture? The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Verse 12. Then they looked for a way to arrest him because they knew he had spoken the parable against them. But they were afraid of the crowd, so they left him and went away. These are some guys who needed to grow up in vacation Bible school. They needed the truth of God's word from Psalm 25. They needed to be submissive to the will of God and his plans, instead of being more concerned about their own agenda. But instead, to protect their place in their society, to protect their place in their religion, they were willing to kill the very Son of God, thinking that somehow they were going to win in that battle. They were deluded, they were deceived, and they were about to. To face judgment. He couldn't have been more clear. And it's important for us to realize this aspect of the story. And we've seen this throughout the Gospel of Mark. You see it throughout all the Gospels. The Jesus that is being presented to our culture today is not this Jesus. The Jesus that's being presented to our culture is the non-judgmental, everything goes, he just loves you no matter what. Everything's okay. That's not Jesus. When Jesus saw something wrong, and here he sees something wrong, the very people that are supposed to be leading the people of God to him, the Son of God, they are trying to keep them away from him. They're doing the exact opposite thing that they're supposed to be doing as the leaders of the Jews. These men, above all others, should have recognized that it was him. And many of them did and still wanted to reject him because what he was doing was messing up their lives, messing up their jobs, messing up their reputation, and messing up their pocketbook. They wanted the people to rely on them and not on Jesus, the Son of God. The one who gets us... literally gets us through our twists and turns. The one who can do something about the difficulties of their lives, and most importantly, the one who can give them eternal life. They were more concerned about themselves than they were, than they were about the, the will of God. They were more concerned about themselves than they were about their very creator. Were you all as amazed as I was about what we heard about Jesus today from these children? And I have to say, my granddaughter came up with a good one. Okay, I'm not, I'm not putting, putting her above everybody else. Okay? But you hear what she said? He created us. He created us. He created these leaders of the Jews. They should have been falling on their knees in praise that they were there for the day that God visited Jerusalem. But no, they were trying to figure out ways to arrest him so that he could be killed. To get out of their way. And the judgment, it was going to come. In in his story, he he said it very plainly. What is the master going to do when he comes? He's going to kill him. He's going to kill him. And that is... That's harsh judgment. I mean, he had just gone through a a very brief history of Israel up to that point. Because he was talking about all the prophets that that God sent throughout the history of Israel. And as you read your Old Testament, you see it over and over and over again. God, the, the people of God were rebelling against him. He sent a prophet. In most cases, not every case, but in almost every case, the leaders of the Jews rebelled against the prophetic word of those prophets. And they abused them, and some of them they killed. So it's a very clear picture of what was happening. They knew what Jesus was saying. But finally, the Son was sent. And what did they do to him? They killed him. But Jesus came to offer even those religious leaders the opportunity to turn, to believe in him, and to be forgiven of their sins. Even those religious leaders could have averted, even after their representation of all the things that the religious leaders had been doing throughout the history of Israel, these guys had the opportunity to turn. Do you remember one of their names, Nicodemus? Nicodemus? When he showed up at night, again, he was one of these guys and knew that he didn't want anybody to know, and he was actually talking to Jesus and actually trying to find out something from him. And you remember, that's where we get the expression being born again. It was in that conversation when Jesus told Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews, that he had to be born again. And there Nicodemus said one of the most embarrassing things, I think, in Scripture. It, it, I think it's right there up, up with Job's wife. Okay, that's, that's probably the most embarrassing thing that's ever been said. And I praise God that he gave me a wife that has never said that. Thank you, Sherry. Curse God and die. When the going gets tough, she said, curse God and die. But Nicodemus said, be born again. You mean to get back in our mother's womb and be born again? Come on. And, and Jesus said this to him. You're a teacher of Israel, and, and that's how you think. I've given you all this material, all this Old Testament, and you have it memorized, and that's what you think. He said, "You must be born again of the Spirit. You've got to be forgiven. You've got to recognize yourself as a sinner. And here, Jesus in this parable, Jesus is giving these teachers of the law an opportunity. They can see what they've, what they've become a part of. They can see what they represent. They can see what their motives are, their selfish motives are. And they can turn to Jesus right then and right there and be saved, be forgiven of their sins, and be, in, be given the gift, the grace, as, as Banner mentioned this morning, that we don't deserve. Of eternal life. They could have had it that day. But no, when they huddled together, they said, we got to kill him. This is getting bad. This is going to, you know, this is going to start cutting in on our budgets. This is going to start cutting in on our reputation. This is going to get the Romans mad at us, and they might even try to kill us. With was serious business. They weren't willing to to take those chances. And so, no, Jesus was right there within their very, within range of touching him. And they said, no, we want to kill you. Now, that's harsh. And Jesus' response was harsh. But we need to understand. The kids mentioned that he's holy. I think that was the first response. I think Charlotte started with, he's holy, he's perfect. He requires perfection, but he knows that we can't give it, so he, the holy perfect one, was willing to go to the cross, to be crucified by his own creation, so that we could be made perfect and worthy to have a relationship with Him, not because of good things that we do, not because of coming to church, not because of singing songs, not because of preaching sermons or listening to them, which even which is even harder. But because of Jesus, because the moment we believe in Him, the moment these guys would have believed in Him, and maybe some of them did later. But the moment they would believe in Him, He would give them the forgiveness of their sins. He would make them right. And when He left and sent His Holy Spirit to live in them, as He did to all who believed, and now still does for all of us who believe, He makes us the righteousness of God. That's why we can celebrate like this. We're, we're not, we're not, we're not raising our hands and, and singing praise to God here, and and playing music for God because. We're perfect. We're praising Him because we're the righteousness of God in Jesus. He did that for us. And this morning, in light of the judgment that He's announcing on all who reject Him, because this same judgment happens, it falls on everybody who rejects Him. But we celebrate this morning because of the grace of that he's demonstrated, that he's given to all of us who believe. And we celebrate because even as he pronounces judgment on those who reject him, he still gives the opportunity. And the opportunity is there today for any who are here or online with us who don't believe yet. You can believe today and be immediately forgiven of all your sins and be made the righteousness of God so that you have an eternal hope. That opportunity is still offered and so we celebrate that today as we celebrate together the Lord's Supper. As you walked in this morning, you might have noticed there's a, 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 a nice table with tablecloth and, and uh, silver um, settings on it, uh, elements. And, and so that represents, that's where the, the, the bread and the, and the, and the, and the vine, fruit of the vine are going to be coming from this morning as we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Some of you have never seen this done before or never participated. And let me just uh, share with you the, the, the background of it. Later on in this very same week, uh, from when Jesus told this parable that we read this morning, he was with his disciples the night before he was going to be arrested and then crucified the next day. It's a very important time in his life. And he had supper with the, with the disciples, and it was the Passover. And so they were celebrating the Passover, the Jewish holiday, remembering how... God had delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery, in the miraculous way that he did it. And many of you remember that one of the requirements that night at the Passover, at the, at the original Passover, as the, angel, as the angel that was bringing judgment on Egypt, on the firstborn of everybody in Egypt, as that angel passed over the homes of the Jewish people because they had taken the blood of a lamb, and they had put it on the doorposts in the the top of the door of their homes. And so in celebration of that, in remembrance of that, the children of Israel celebrate Passover. They eat unleavened bread. Unleavened, reminding us of no... Leaven was a a symbol of of sin in Jewish tradition. And so the unleavened bread, and so that's why the bread that we're going to eat is like a cracker and not like a fluffy piece of of uh, of great bread and of tasty dough, but it's a reminder that Jesus died for our sins, that his body was broken for us because he told his disciples, take this and eat it, it's my body, broken for you. And they've been doing that, and we've been doing that ever since. And then the cup that we pass around is is a reminder, not only of that blood of the lamb, that the angel passed over the homes that had it on the doorposts. But, but it's a reminder, more importantly, of the blood of that lamb, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so if you believe in Jesus as the Savior of the world and your personal Savior this morning, we invite you to participate and take a piece of this bread. Take the cup and celebrate with us. If it's, if it's something you don't believe yet, then wait and watch and learn. The apostle Paul also warned us in celebrating the Lord's Supper not to take it lightly. And so if you're if you're in a situation right now where you're just harboring sin or you're living in sin and 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 you don't really care right now, I would encourage you not to take it. Take this time just to just to again watch and pray. Maybe as we're as we're preparing to take it, maybe you'll take this time to to pray and ask the Lord to forgive you of that attitude or that sin or those sins that you're that you're hanging on to. Take this as a time to to, to clean up before the Lord, and then take it. But whatever the case, let's take it serious, and let's celebrate what Jesus has done for us as we eat this bread and drink this cup. So at this time, with those who are helping Ron uh, Young with the, uh, with the elements, if you pass the bread out, and remember, take a piece of bread, if you're a believer in Jesus, and write with him. Take this piece of bread. Think about what he's done for you as the music plays. Hold it, and then we'll eat of it together just as he instructed us to in his last supper. Eating this bread doesn't save anybody. It doesn't forgive us of our sins. It reminds us of, what, of who saves us and who forgives us of our sins. And so as we hold this bread and we think about what Jesus did for us, uh, we recognize that he suffered greatly for us. And he did it willingly out of love. So that all of us who believe, and remember that all goes to everybody around the world, all time, all kinds of people whoever believes in him will be forgiven of their sins and made the righteousness of God. And if that's us this morning, we recognize that we don't eat this because of our own goodness. We eat this because of his goodness, because of who he is is and what he's done for us. So let me pray. And then we'll eat of the bread together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your one and only Son to do the work that he did. Live the perfect life. Fulfill the law completely. And then die on the cross. Not for sins he had committed, but for our sins. So that all of us who believe in him be forgiven of our sins and given the gift of eternal life. The gift of your Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us through life. And so Father, we thank you for the broken body of our Savior Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for allowing your body to be broken by the very people that you created. For the forgiveness of the sins of all of us who believe, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's eat the bread together. In the same way, that night, Jesus passed the cup. Well, we're not just going to pass one cup. um, We're going to pass many cups. And so if you take one, if you're a believer in Jesus and hold that, uh, then we will uh, drink of that cup together as well. was the beginning of a very bloody religion. Because as the children of Israel went out into the desert, God gave them the law through Moses. And in that law was a sacrificial system that required the slaughter of of rams and sheep and bulls and doves. And the men, the the Levites, the tribe that that exercised the priesthood uh, for Israel, they were covered in that blood all the time, every time they offered those sacrifices. So it, was a, it was a very, very bloody religion. And when those, when those Jewish people of the first century in Jesus' day and those religious leaders, when they looked at Jesus on the cross, they were supposed to see all of that blood because that's what happened to him. He fulfilled all of those blood sacrifices in himself and took upon himself as he shed his blood all of our sins. And so that night before he died, he told his disciples, "This is the blood my blood of the new covenant." The old covenant was was shed blood that was going to represent his blood. His blood was the blood of the new covenant. The blood that brings forgiveness, that brings righteousness to everyone who believes. And so as he told his disciples that night, after we pray, we will do the same thing. We'll drink of this cup together. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are sorry that it took the shed blood of your Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, to affect the forgiveness of our sins. But as we confess our sorrow in needing that to happen, we also express our great gratitude and our joy that it did happen. And we thank you that our Lord Jesus did not stay in the grave, but he rose again on that third day bringing victory for himself over death and over the grave, but also announcing victory for all of us who believe that all of us who have been cleansed by his blood would also receive the gift of life, abundant life in this life and eternal life in your glory. And so we thank you for the shed blood of your son, Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for your willingness to have your blood shed so that we could live. And it's in your great name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.